business review website Yelp wants to label your business as being racist. Maybe give the uh, conservative businesses the yellow star. And also, Mike Pompeo dumping Hillary Clinton emails out. Hmm. It's all coming up on the Adrian Slade Show. The presidential motorcade was just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show. You know, we all want to make the world a better place. I mean, I would like to teach the world to sing, you know, in perfect harmony. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company because that's the song I sing. But apparently we need to fix the injustices of the world and companies are now looking to do that on our behalf. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that great? Yep. Companies that you visit and that you uh, purchase items from or, or use their services, they're going to root out injustices like racism. And this happened with Yelp. Yeah, Yelp. Today, we are announcing a new consumer alert to stand against racism. In the past few months, we've seen that there is a clear need to warn customers about businesses associated with egregious, racially charged actions to help people make more informed spending decisions. Communities have always turned to Yelp in reaction to current events, and our user operations team already places alerts on business pages when we notice an, an unusual uptick in reviews that are based on what someone may have seen in the news or, you know, in culture rather than on firsthand experience. Now, when a business gains attention for reports of racist conduct, Yelp will place a new business accused of racist behavior alert on their Yelp page to inform users along with a link to a news article where they can learn more. So this is great. Yeah, Yelp's going to go out there and they're going to fight racism by labeling bad businesses that may engage in racism. Nothing could go wrong there, huh? Nothing could go wrong. You know, we just as long as you're not a hateful racist person, you don't have anything to worry about. Um, Yeah, there's a problem there. Because we have slid the definitions of racism into areas that are so ambiguous that anyone could be deemed racist. You know, take, take, take for example, what happened in Michigan. Okay. So apparently there was a group in Michigan that were looking to kidnap Governor Whitmer, possibly even kill her, remove her from power. And so I saw that headline and I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder. If they're going to say they're white supremacist because it followed up with another tweet. Michigan militia was plotting to kidnap Governor Whitmer, a Democrat who has come under fire from President Trump, according to the FBI. Hmm. So that made me think white supremacy militia equals white supremacy. But then you got to give it 24 to 72 hours because then the narrative starts to collapse. Give it time to do some research and find out, you know what? He's an anarchist. He's got an anarchist flag behind him, and he hates Trump. Just listen to his own words. Well, Trump is not your friend, dude. And it's it amazes me that people actually like believe that when he's shown over and over and over again that he's a tyrant. Every single person that works for government is your enemy, dude. 
See, and there you go. They still can't create a white supremacy movement to use as an example for white supremacy, domestic terrorism, i.e. Trump voters. That's what they, that's the bridge that they're trying to make. But they still can't do it because this guy is more in line with Antifa. He's got an anarchy uh, uh, flag behind him. Uh, I mean, that's that's the basis of Antifa. And they tried this with the Proud Boys, and they were successful. That's the scary part. They were successful at making the Proud Boys into a white supremacy group. And if you remember back on a, on an earlier podcast, might have been the last one, I yet again made the case that there's black people in it, there's Asian people, there's Cubans. And they were able to malign that group and run them out of the public square. They banned Gavin McInnes just because he had some uh, relationship with them. They say he was the founder. He kind of did, but it was there was a. It's a drinking group. It's a it's a political drinking group. They're just people that love Trump and they go drink together at a bar. And they got fed up with seeing nobody, no no law enforcement. Uh, no one was really protecting the people that were marching for Christian values in these cities when Antifa would show up to to beat the death out of them. So they decided to show up to these events and become a barrier. And then they were turned into white supremacists. So if they can do that to the Proud Boys, and if they can take this Michigan militia and pretend that they are white supremacists, then just think about what they would do to you if they found out you had a business and you supported the president of the United States. And then they decided to go, you're a white supremacist. And next thing you know, Yelp has a freaking link to an article and a big statement, a big banner saying that you're a racist company. I mean, there's no due process. Um, I mean, that's, that's what, liable? I mean, it's ridiculous. But that's the thing. They've moved the definition to of white supremacy and racism in such a fashion that anyone can be lumped under this and then their business will be destroyed by Yelp. But what's really interesting with this whole Yelp thing is who they're working with. Yelp put out another statement. We know small businesses are struggling these days. As you're opening your store safely, make sure your customers know that you are a hashtag open to all. We're proud to work with open to all of us to develop this toolkit to support inclusive businesses. So, question, who is open to all? Well, you go check out their uh, their social media and it says, a nationwide campaign to transform America. This is from their website. We know that building a stronger country means everyone should feel safe, respected, and accepted as they live, shop, and work. Yet far too often, we hear stories of discrimination, such as people of color facing abuse and violence in a diner, Muslim women ordered to leave a cafe, people with disabilities being harassed in a restaurant, and or an employee being fired for just being gay or transgender. By the way, I don't know where any of these stories are coming from because I have not heard this. I mean, have you? I've not heard one of these incidents in the news at all. But Open to All says, we must lead the way to doing better. At the core of changing our country, Open to All is a national non-discrimination campaign based around the idea that everyone should be welcomed regardless of race, ethnicity, national origin, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity and expression, immigration status, religion or disability. We believe we all have something to contribute. Open to All is a growing coalition of more than 200 nonprofits. Yeah, make note of that. 
Lots of nonprofits involved in this. From the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights and the Anti-Defamation League to disability groups, LGBTQ groups, faith organizations, that gets interesting, and more. We also unite thousands of large and small businesses across the country committed to being open to all. So then we have to take a look at some of these nonprofits. Now, who are these organizations? And some of them aren't nonprofits, they're businesses like Lyft, like the Marriott International, like Thumbtack. It's, it's crazy. Airbnb. And then you get into organizations that are involved with public education, ACLU. Uh, then you get into some of the civil rights ones. There's Hispanic Federation. There's also color of change. Hmm. Some of these groups are tied with another group we've talked about a long time ago, Democracy Alliance, which we'll get into that here in a moment. So open to all is going to unite all these businesses and nonprofits and what have you together. And then they are going to partner with Yelp to make sure that if you're not, uh, if you're a racist, we're just going to tar and feather your business in the public square where people read reviews and what have you. Here's a tweet from, from Open to All. A growing number of companies are working to effectively, respectfully engage transgender consumers through ad campaigns and inclusive company policies. Experts explain why and what it takes to get it right. Another, uh, another tweet is brands may fill their campaigns with a racially diverse cast of models and positions and they should position themselves as inclusive, but a trip to their stores tells a different story. The frequency at which racial profiling occurs is still shocking. So then they get into these interfaith groups and these the faith community groups. So we're supposed to believe that these groups are straight Christian religious groups. Some of them are Muslim and what have you. Uh, one of them is an LGBTQ uh, church. The other is this vaguely titled uh, organization called Interfaith Alliance. So you go to Interfaith Alliance's website. This is one of the first things that they're standing for. Get this. This is insane. For the first time in its history, Interfaith Alliance opposes a nominee to the federal bench. Hmm. wonder who they're talking about there. They conclude that Judge Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation would irreparably endanger religious freedom in the United States for those of faith and those without faith. Interfaith Alliance will oppose the confirmation of Judge Amy Coney Barrett as an associate justice of the Supreme Court, given the danger her slated views pose to religious freedoms for all Americans. Her faith played no part in this decision, but rather her long record of statements and decisions that run counter to the historic understanding of religious freedom in this country. This marks the first time in the organization's more than 25-year history it has opposed a judicial and executive nomination on the merits of the nominee. Following Justice Ginsburg's death, Interfaith Alliance urged the president and the Senate leader, uh, Mitch McConnell, to honor the precedent they set in 2016 and allow the winner of November's election to nominate her successor. The organization also released five essential questions related to religious freedom that we believe any incoming nominee must answer. Once these calls went unheeded, the organization voiced our initial concerns around Judge Amy Coney Barrett's nomination, said Rabbi Jack Maline president of Interfaith Alliance, believing that honesty 
and thoroughness are essential in any confirmation process. In the days following her nomination, we examined Judge Amy Coney Barrett's public statements, activities, and record as a federal judge with an eye towards the future of religious freedom. Our thorough review of Judge Amy Coney Barrett, uh, her record reveals an interpretation of religious freedom that threatens our basic right to believe as we choose. Interfaith Alliance, therefore, takes an unprecedented step of opposing her nomination to the Supreme Court. This is not a decision we reach lightly, but it's one that we make with resolve and determination. We do so not to call into question Judge Amy Coney Barrett's personal beliefs or experience, but of profound concern for her commitment to protecting the true religious freedom for all Americans. Her judicial philosophy, evidenced by her past work, endangers the protecting true religious freedom for all Americans. It also endangers the decades of progress our nation has made towards abiding by the promise that every American is equal under the law. This is such garbage. But see, we know these organizations are tied together and they're doing it for Marxist reasons. They're not doing it for uh, reasons of of anything more than to attack the president and try to push him out. That's what they're doing right now. And we're going to get into the other side. Who is behind these organizations that are teaming up with these businesses to attack anyone who is pro-Trump, anyone who is pro-freedom, pro the Constitutional Republic, pro the founding we're going to get into that on the other side of the break. This is Adrian Slade. So we know Yelp is working to label businesses that are racist so that people could know whether or not they're dealing with a racist business or not, which we know that's going to mean white supremacist, which we know that that's going to mean Christian or that's going to be Trump supporters. And we've seen this with other, other businesses, uh, Bank of America pledging to donate millions to Black Lives Matter, um, Goodyear firing people for, uh, for having stances that are pro-Trump. These are things that we know that are happening. And we just laid out how Yelp is tied to an organization that is uh, littered with nonprofits who are also tied in with other insidious organizations such as De Democracy Alliance. Now, if you've been listening to the Adrian Slade Show, you know I have been on Democracy Alliance for years. I've talked about this group. They got together. It's a group of business owners, uh, a group of philanthropists, NGO organizers, and uh, even people like uh, Rob Reiner, and also another individual who everybody knows. George Soros. That's right. Democracy Alliance is the umbrella group that all of these groups organizing for America, which used to be organizing for Obama, uh, uh, Color for Change, which are involved in this open it all, uh, open it up to all that is working with Yelp. And Democracy Alliance is spending $275 million through liberal groups to oppose Trump. This is from the Washington Free Beacon. A powerful donor club co-founded by liberal billionaire George Soros quietly established two big-money entities to help its effort to inject $275 million into the 2020 election. The Democracy Alliance, a coalition of deep-pocketed Democratic donors, launched the Strategic Victory Fund Super PAC back in March. The PAC appears to be aimed at state-based initiatives and can collect and spend unlimited sums on political advertisements. The group also created the Strategic Victory Fund nonprofit arm, which supplies the PAC's initial $500,000 deposit. 
Democracy Alliance helps set the democratic agenda, and Vox has called it the closest thing that exists to a left-wing conspiracy in the U.S. The two new groups appear to be part of the 275 million anti-Trump strategy its board approved in February of 2019. The strategy includes supporting state-based organizing in Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, New Mexico, Nevada, and Virginia. It would also work to elect more progressive politicians at the state and local levels. That is key because through the coronavirus and event 201, we have seen the implementation of Marxism on the state level and the destruction of the economy in the United States to hamper Trump's reelection. Uh, we've seen that all conducted by governors. We've seen people that have been a part of the rioting go to jail and the district attorneys and the police departments are just putting them back out in the streets. Although if you're on, on the right and you have a gun and you want to protect your property, you end up brandishing the gun because you're on your own property and you are fearful for your safety. You go to jail and they take your gun. It's crazy. But they're doing that because they've weaponized federalism. We've talked about that for the entire coronavirus, and that's why they're effective. But they're doing these state and local level uh, pushes while building a candidate pipeline. Going back to the article, the network additionally pinpointed at least uh, 25 rural communities to build infrastructure and leadership for civic engagement and progressive agenda development. Both the PAC and the nonprofit were incorporated by North Carolina attorney Michael Weisel, who also incorporated other Democracy Alliance efforts, including its Committee on States. Gara LaMarche, president of Democracy Alliance, confirmed to the Washington Free Beacon that the Super PAC and nonprofit are part of the organization's 2020 efforts. Scott Anderson, executive director of the Strategic Victory Fund, was previously the executive director of the Committee on States. Anderson did not respond for a request for comment. The Strategic Victory Fund's dark money nonprofit arm funds the Organizing Together 2020 campaign, a large scale effort to better position Democrats to take on Trump. Organizing Together was launched to boost Democratic campaign infrastructure on the battleground of states in Arizona, Florida, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. The campaign, which consists of a coalition of 14 liberal groups, is co-chaired by Rhode Island Governor Gina Riamondo, New Mexico Governor Michelle Grisham, and former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, who wants to run for governor again. In Virginia, you can't run for re-election, but you can step away and come back and run for another term. Sounds like that's what he's trying to do. The total cost of its efforts is estimated to run between 20 and 60 million. New filings submitted uh, on Monday afternoon by the Strategic Victory Fund Super PAC show that in April it received an additional 1.9 million from its nonprofit arm, 1 million from billionaire Amy Goldman Fowler, and 600,000 from Soros's Democracy PAC, 100,000 from New York City-based philanthropist Andrew Beck. And the PAC paid out $2.1 million to the 2020 Campaign Services, Inc., a Washington, D.C.-based political consulting company run by Paul Tews, an Obama campaign alum who leads the Organizing Together campaign. Another 16000 was given to the MBA Consulting Group, which is headed by Steve Mele, who in April took over the Super PAC's records from Weisel. Members of Democracy Alliance have pushed nearly $2 billion into progressive infrastructure since its founding in 2005. Now, remember, they were founded in 2005. Bush was in office then. 
Confidential Democracy Alliance documents obtained by the Free Beacon last year outlined an intricate plan to pump large amounts of cash into expanding and strengthening the political progressive base. The alliance has helped propel some of the biggest left-wing groups in the nation, but redoubled its state-based focus to expand Democratic power and defeat Trump in 2020. Its donors, however, continue to fund national anti-Trump organization. Uh, each millionaire and billionaire partner in the alliance pledges at least 200000 annually to liberal organizations that are recommended by the club. The network, which hides its members, has helped propel more than 150 liberal organizations, including Media Matters for America, the Center for American Progress. The alliance has also taken in smaller anti-Trump groups, such as the Center for Community Change and Center for po Popular Democracy. Many Democrat Party leaders enjoy close access to the donor club. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has appeared at numerous Democracy Alliance gatherings. Others include Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Maxine Waters, Tom Perez, prospective VP picks Stacey Abrams. This is back when this was written have participated in Democracy Alliance conferences in recent years. The Democracy Alliance's largest investment was $200 million for its state victory fund meant to support liberal causes in 15 states. The fund is led by the Alliance's Committee on States, which helps coordinate money to state-level progressive organizations. The, Victory's fund, uh, the Victory Fund's money is budgeted to amplify the harm and the Trump administration and conservatives have caused in American lives and year-round organizing. Now, remember... Soros has his hands in this, but he's also got his hands in Davos. And Davos is the meeting where they globally meet all these industry leaders. They get together, all these uh, uh, world leaders, and they talk about what they plan to do in the future, like UN Agenda 2030, those kind of things. And they were going to have a meeting in January for the Great Reset, we talked about the Great Reset. Go back to my podcast where they want to restructure the global economy into some sort of socialism-styled uh, economy, kind of a hybrid Chinese, uh, you know, it looks like capitalism on the outside, but it's all state government-owned on the inside. They want to move in that direction, and they were using the pandemic to get there. And Event 201, which happened back in February of 2019 with John Hopkins University and the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, all war-gamed out a pandemic situation where they can shut down economies. And guess what happened? First of the year. Holy crap. An actual pandemic from China where they shut down economies. <laughs> it's amazing how we all got suckered into this and we're all walking around with our face diaper. Can't go into any building without wearing a daggone mask. And, and get virtue signal. And then you can't even go out and, and worship without the police, you know, taking you into jail, but you can riot and burn things down for the cause of Marxism. We all know where this is all going. And it's all because of the fact that Trump has broken the game. Trump was the bull in the China shop. And now they're trying to reorganize and figure out what their strategy is going to be. That's why they pushed their January meeting at Davos back until May. But there's been some other changes that have happened, especially with the people that are focusing on destroying Trump, like those uh, on the left with their fake investigations and the Hillary Clinton emails and all that. Donald Trump was on Maria Bartiromo's uh, Fox Business show and said this, which was very interesting what he said about Secretary Mike Pompeo, you know, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Just listen. 
to come back to the White House soon to do another interview, Mr. President. Well, we'll I'd love that, to come right. back to the White House. I Why saw it up Hillary close Clinton and being personal. Indicted for terminating 33,000 emails that she got from Congress. Congress made a request to see him. Everybody else I know gets indicted when they don't give that. They don't give she she destroyed 33,000 emails. Forget about the fact that they were classified. Let's go. Maybe Mike Pompeo finally finds yeah. them, okay? Did we just hear that? Did Donald Trump say Mike Pompeo can release State Department emails that Hillary Clinton has hidden? <laughs> yeah, he did. And listen to him on uh, Rush Limbaugh's show. And then just now on Rush Limbaugh, he had this to say. She deleted 33,000 emails. She should be in jail for that. I don't even care if they're, certif- if they're, if they're uh, very highly confidential emails. I don't care what... So what is the state of this investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails at the State Department? So, Danny, you'll remember I, I was close to this even when I was a member of Congress when I served on the Benghazi Committee now, what seems like uh, a little bit time ago. Uh, we've got the emails. We're getting them out. We're going to get all this information out so the American people can see it. Uh, you'll remember uh, there was classified information on a private server. It should have never been there. Uh, Hillary Clinton should never have done that. Uh, it was unacceptable behavior. It's, it's not the kind of thing that leaders do. Wow, Mike Pompeo, he is going to drop the 33,000 emails Hillary Clinton has, uh, the ones he she deleted. Yeah, it's going to come to the light of day. Because I think they've gotten to a point where the investigations aren't happening quick enough. And we haven't seen indictments. We're hearing rumors of this, rumors of that. Indictments could happen, this and that. But you know what? At this point, screw it. Put it all out in the open. Richard Grinnell, he dumped declassified uh, documents out. And then his replacement at, as uh, director of national intelligence, uh, uh, Ratcliffe, he did. And now we're getting Mike Pompeo dumping the emails out. I don't see Trump letting it just go away. He's kind of a vindictive guy. And that's one of the reasons why people voted him in, because he fights. And so I don't see him letting this go down. The other clip that he played on, or the other thing he said on Rush Limbaugh was if he gets reelected, he's definitely going to make sure everything gets wrapped up. So if there's a reason for you to pull the lever for Donald Trump, that would be it. So we're going to see where this goes. But it's looking like things are starting to come to the light of day that regardless of whether or not investigations are being hampered, uh, I've heard reports of uh, of uh, John Durham being stonewalled. Uh, the FBI kind of take dragging their tail. You know, uh, whatever the case may be, they're going to find a way to get the information out. And the public, we deserve a right to know what the hell was the Clinton administration and the Obama administration or the Clinton State Department. What were they doing? Were they flipping countries? Like they're trying to do here with color revolution techniques? Were they also creating a trafficking network that their world leaders could engage in? And it's like a Disneyland for, uh, for underage sex out on an island for Jeffrey Epstein? I don't know. But those are things that I think are in the works. And I think the ex- exposure of all of the insidious activities that are used to cover it up is, is something that needs to happen. And it needs to show that these political parties, some in the right, 
definitely most in the left, are in bed with Soros and these other organizations because they want a global union and they're pushing for it. And we effectively voted in somebody who is pro-sovereignty. Like I said, I'm a sovereigntist, not a nationalist. I'm a sovereigntist. I like free trade with other nations as long as they're nations we can agree with. But I still like our sovereignty. Trump does too. The leader of Brazil does. The leader of Hungary does. I guess Boris Johnson and they, they've been working on Brexit for friggin' ever. But that was their plan, was to move out of the EU. So let's just keep an eye on everything because I think whatever is in those emails, that could be something huge. And this attack on, on conservative values from, from the corporate world, from the tech world, from the political world, from the NGO world, all of this is going to end up just falling apart if we do it the right way. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, iHeart, uh, also on TuneIn. You can also check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com, and donate. Anchor FM, anchor.fm, Adrian Slade, anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade. Donate, be a part of financially supporting this podcast so that we can continue digging for news items that no one else really cares to dig for. You guys have a great weekend. God bless.